Happy Saturday, mom and dad. Jake back with another episode of the Raising Competitors podcast. And today I'm joined by Randy Corbin. Randy is a sports performance and strength and conditioning coach at Hamilton. She coaches freshman softball. And so we talk about what are things that we can do as parents to help our athletes be better leaders? How can we help them encourage their teammates when they see bad body language? What are things that we can do to help remind our own athlete that training, that working out, that pushing ourselves is not a punishment, but an opportunity. Because what we want them to do is develop a healthy relationship with training, with giving great effort, so that it's something throughout their entire life they embrace versus avoid. So I think you're going to get a ton out of today's conversation, and I'm excited you're here. As we dive into the show, I want to encourage you, one of the easiest ways to support the show is to share this with another parent. Your athlete has teammates, they have friends on their team, whether we're talking club, school, or social, and what a great way to help them out and help those other parents out by sharing the Raising Competitors podcast with them. So if you could share an episode, maybe today's, maybe one's in the past few weeks or years that has resonated well with you, I would be forever grateful. Now, let's dive into today's show and introduce you to Randy Corbin. Welcome to Raising Competitors, Mom and Dad, a podcast designed by the team at Compete Every Day to help the parents of athletes learn ways to raise strong, healthy competitors. Throughout every episode, you're going to learn ways to improve your athletes' grit, mentality, gratitude, leadership influence, and help them develop the skills we learn in sports that set us up for success in life. My name's Jake Thompson, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, keynote speaker and author, but more importantly, your host on the Racing Competitors Podcast, and I'm so incredibly excited you're here. Let's get to work. Randy, welcome to the Racing Competitor Show. Hi, I'm happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Yeah, excited for today's conversation. I appreciate kind of your flexibility as you and I have had to play a little roundabout getting our time together <laughs> to sit down. But yeah. we were laughing about something briefly off air. And so I want to just kind of kick it off there of what is going on with this D1 or bust mentality of, man, if I don't make it to that top level of college sports, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I'm like any other number of thing. Is that coming from our athletes? Is that coming from our parents? Where kind of are we getting that, that it has to be division one if you want to keep playing? I think it's a combination, you know, it's um, social media, it's um, what they're being influenced by, it's their club coaches, it is their parents and stuff. And it's like a little combo package of unnecessary <laughs> um, um information while I do understand like the reasoning behind it you know as a parent like I want my son to be his best self I want him to work hard and you know um be have good character and all of these types of things but I think at a point it becomes badgering you know and one of the things that um over at Hamilton High School which where I coach um we kind of saw was like that unnecessary just like um prompting and just like you have to be the greatest you have to when you're like 10 you know what I mean and they <laughs> yeah. should be more focused on um playing multiple sports and getting better at understanding how their bodies move like burnout comes in very quickly you know very we quickly. did like a round table with um some of our alumni 
Um, we had them come in and they were from various levels, D1, D2, um, junior college, all of that. And we just kind of like talked to them and had them, you know, share some information with their current athletes about, you know, how they got there, um, failures that they had along the way. And one of the things that we talked about was burnout, you know, and how it started very early on from them coming from like that conversation on the ride home, you know, from the yep. tournament um, or the even the practice of well, you should have done this and um, I didn't see you hustling enough. And I think it's just really detrimental to their growth and stuff. And if you're wanting to get that D1 athlete, which I would, I think the percentage is like 5% of athletes yep. are actually going to make it that far. Um, it's it's just going to set them back. And so how do we teach our parents to cool the jets a little bit, you know, and, yep. and f figure out that any step in that direction is a good step. And nine times out of 10, the athlete already knows what they did wrong. So let them figure it out on themselves, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and failing. Let, let's, I, I want to talk about a couple of those pieces of that one being, you know, it starts super early, but we feel more and more increasing pressure, uh, probably now than definitely when I was in school of the specialization, like you've got to start from the beginning. You've only got to do one sport, do one thing yeah. from like the time you're walking that obviously plays into it of like, you're doing this to get division one. Mm -hmm. There is a fine line. And as a coach, I'm interested in kind of in your tape because there's a fine line to the em emphasis and intentionality of developing the skills within a sport and, and being committed to it. But at the same mm -hmm. point, there's, there's a huge advantage to playing other sports and building other muscle systems and brain wiring yeah. on that. From your end, how do you talk about, you know, or how do you encourage your athletes even of playing other sports when they should play other sports, when to start taking one sport as kind of a sole focus? Um, mm -hmm. Because yeah, I mean, as a coach, you want your athletes all dialed into your sport to mm -hmm. play your sport to be the best, but at the same time, you also want what's best for your athlete. So it'd be yeah. interesting kind of to hear your perspective on that. Well, I think like, you know, it depends on like who my demographic is, like obviously yep. my 10 U's and stuff. I'm, you know, I'm telling them and their parents, like, just focus on being a kid right now. You know what I mean? Like play on the playground, have fun in PE, play as many sports as you can, you know, um, even before that age, you know, proprioception, understanding how their body works in the environment around them is going to help them when they get to that point of being, you know, um, sports specific, you know, and, and choosing one lane, um, and, you know, it kind of progresses. Um, we're definitely wanting to teach them like healthy habits of health and stuff, you know, not using exercise as a form of punishment. So that way they don't grow into an adult that has a resentment towards uh, being physically active. Um, and, you know, as they get older, like I even still, and this could just be me, but I have never been of the mindset that you need to pick a lane. You know what I mean? Like, if you can do both, why not do both? You're just going to be better for it because you're going to get something out of soccer that you're not going to get out of, you know, softball or, you know, cheerleading versus um, basketball. Like there's 
every avenue is just going to make you a more well-rounded athlete. And I, it's kind of like the same thing where I was like, I'll have like a, a pitcher and she's like, oh, I only pitch. I'm like, you don't play any other position. Nope. That's all I do. Well, as a, a collegiate athlete or a collegiate coach, would that person want the individual that only plays one position? Or are they going to want the person that says, I'll go anywhere, coach, put me where you want me. You know what I mean? Like, so you're just setting yourself for a better advantage by doing as many things as you can for as long as you can. Like myself, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. That's what I'm formally trained in. Um, and I'm a softball coach, secondary, quote unquote, you know what I mean? But yep. uh, I've had mentors and stuff that have told me that I need to pick a lane and I have not picked a lane. <laughs> so, and it's working out well for me right now. You know what I mean? It does make time management and um, having work-life balance a little bit more challenging and stuff, but where there's a will, there's a way. So I don't think that they necessarily need to pick that lane, you know, as long as they're able to keep up with all of their tasks. Uh, let me ask you, one of the things you said there that that stood out to me is the idea that hard work and training uh, is an opportunity more than a punishment. Mm -hmm. And what are things parents can do to emphasize the importance of putting in the hard work of training, especially off season when games are so far away to yeah. where it doesn't feel like a punishment, but they're, they're helping reframe it in that lens of this is an opportunity to improve. I think at first, you know, especially for the younger kids, it, it's going to feel like a punishment, right? Like everything that they have is handed to them. Um, you know, they can escape on their phone or on the video games um, and that kind of thing. And um, sometimes, you know, things, they don't have to work as hard for them. Um, you know, like I have some younger athletes that I um, train strength and conditioning wise and you know, every day they're like, oh, I don't want to work out. And I'm like, I get it. But then week four, you know, they've been doing it and we go to do testing again and they see their improvements. They get that little, there's that little glimmer in their eye, like, okay, I'm getting better, you know, and yep. it, it kind of becomes like a light switch for them and they can connect the pieces. So if you can just get them to stick through, you know, the grind and the hard, um, I think that they'll be able to see it more as a as a reward, as something that's good for them than something that's negative. But to the other point of that, then you have the club coaches who are like, okay, you're not doing what I'm expecting you to do. Give me a pull. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there is a fine line. And that's actually something I was talking um, to my JV coach about the other day is like, how do, how do we as coaches deal with that? Like, okay, I've told you the same thing 17 times and you're still not following it. Like, so what do you do at that point? And we kind of talked about like the better solution is taking like that fun activity that they were going to do in practice and removing that, you know what I mean? So that is the, is the punishment rather than conditioning and, um, or making them do, you know, um, pushups or burpees or that type of stuff, you know? So I, I think that, that is sense. a fine the balance. Swap. Yeah. The swap, like take away their fun thing. Like it would be the equivalent of, okay, well now you don't have your phone. <laughs> so, um, but it is a balance, you know, and, um, and you, again, same as I said earlier, you have to know the demographic and how to, you know, help let them know that this is going to help them in the long run. 
one of the things I'm curious about you're you work with high school freshmen a lot of in mm-hmm. with the softball side and that is yeah. such a tough age uh, yeah. uh not only from a, a biological standpoint but you're entering high school you're yes. you know dealing with being the freshman in high school and mm-hmm. having kind of bottom of the food chain as we all remember mm-hmm. so there's all sorts of social dynamics biological dynamics there's a ton of stuff going into it and parents a lot of times just kind of feel like I have no idea what the heck to do on how to mm-hmm. support my athlete as they're dealing with everything hormonally, socially. Oh yeah. By the way, all the pressures of our sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are things that you do throughout the season to help parents keep the pulse of their athlete um, or at least encourage them on how to be supportive without suffocating? So we do have a conversation with um, our parents, like at least me one-on-one that like, you know, trying to avoid that conversation on the ride home of things that they just focusing on the things that they didn't do right and highlighting the things that they did do right. Um, Also, we try to make it not all about softball, you know what I mean? Um, So like for my team specifically, we do a lot of team bonding events where we go and we watch games like today, we're going to go watch GCU play uh, South Dakota um, we volunteer at a farm. Um, so we do other things that are not just softball related. Cause a lot of, at least the girls that I work with now, they're playing club year round. You know what I mean? Yep. So like when we're in season at the high school level, like it should just be about refining our skills, having fun first and foremost, if we win some ball games, great. Obviously we want to win ball games. Um, but that is not the emphasis that I try to put on the athletes. I just really want them to like form their team chemistry. And that starts with parents, you know, like, so we get them involved and like, you know, what do you guys think that we could do to get together? Um, iron out like any differences. Cause you're going to have it with that age group and female athletes and that kind of stuff differences. And, you know, you might not be the best friends on the field. Um, But so just coming together as a unit, I think open lines of communication is really important. Um, And so, but the biggest things that I try to tell my parents is like, you're, don't be the coach on the car ride home, just be the parent, like, and be supportive and try to, to highlight the positive rather than the negative, because that's that, that negative um, constant, you know, communication about what they're doing wrong that ends up setting them up for not wanting to play the sport anymore. Yeah, no, and that that's a really good point on that. And and we've talked a ton about that car ride home and and how it's it's so crucial. I'm actually curious about when y'all go today, for instance, to watch uh the other schools play, what type of conversations are you having with them? Are y'all talking technique? Cause I'm thinking about when like parents are there watching their sport with, mm-hmm. um, the athlete, a lot of times, like we always do, we focus on outcome mm-hmm. and we focus on, you know, if your kid plays soccer and you're watching world cup matches or you're watching, you know, a premier league, you're talking about the goals and things like that. You're pointing out kind of that outcome versus what we know is important of pointing out process and identifying mm-hmm. process piece. What are some questions you tend to ask your athletes or ways to have conversations to direct their attention to what's in their control versus just, Hey, look at that hit, that home run, all the outcome pieces. So I, I kind of make my athletes do like a list, if you will. So like each individual has to give me five 
um, like five performance related things that they noticed and then five mental things that they noticed. So whether or not the, you know, um, the batter when they, you know, didn't have a good at bat, did they like pull themselves off to the side of the field and do some self-talk and work through? I mean, obviously we can't know, yeah. you know, from the outside. But you can read body are. language. Yes, you can. Exactly. And so like, what's their body language telling you? And I, I honestly heart body language a lot with my girls because, you know, as a young athlete, I don't think that I knew what my body language was saying to my coach when I was their age, you know what I mean? And I want them yep. to be really aware of that. Like we pick up everything. So I pick up the eye roll. I pick up when you slump your shoulders, like, and I don't like any of that. Yep. <laughs> and so like it needs to be invisible to me. And so, yeah, so they have to pick up five like things that they was put onto the mental side of the game and then five on the performance side. But that's not just from an athlete on the field. I want them also looking at the coaches. So the head coach, the assistant coach, um, everybody out there has a role to play and they're going to impact the game in one way or another. So that's kind of something that we always do when we do go to like games and that type of event. Um, or, you know, like when the women's uh, college world series is on, yep. they'll watch a game and they kind of same thing. They have to like, talk to me about it. One of the things I like about that is, is that self-talk piece, because to your point, we can't hear them. We don't know mm -hmm. what's going on, but you can tell by the body language and not only mm -hmm the body language to the coach, but really our body language to other teammates um, mm -hmm. because they know when we immediately, oh, so-and-so is in that mood again, they're in that spot. Yeah. What can we do to encourage our athletes, not only to be aware of their own body language, but helping to redirect their teammates when they notice? Because sometimes it's easier for us to teach our athletes, I would say teach our kids, about what to see in others, mm -hmm. because it, sometimes we lack that own self-awareness of when we're doing it, but we can see someone else doing it. Of mm -hmm. uh, Hey, what can you do to encourage that teammate in those moments? What are things you look for in terms of your team captains and, and the leaders on your team of how you help them start to identify their teammates? Um, and, and I'm thinking through a way of where parents can provide that encouragement of helping their athlete become aware of their own body language while at the same mm -hmm. time adding value to their teammates. Well, um, we, I have always, I did in the start of my career, I did team captains and right. it ended up backfiring in the sense of like, um, they just didn't want to listen to that person. You know what I mean? They felt like that they had like the superiority complex. And so they wouldn't follow instructions. Um, now I've kind of transitioned more into like a secret team captain, if you will, <laughs> like okay. it's somebody that I've chosen that I've pulled off and I've had a conversation with. And when we talk about body language, like I just did this the other day with them, like the girl that I chose. And first and foremost, I tell them is like, when you're trying to make another teammate aware, don't do it on in the whole team setting, right? Because yep. that person's going to feel like you're calling them out in front of a group. Nobody likes their... Um, I don't know if weaknesses is the right word, but like they get defensive though. Yeah. They get defensive and they're less receptive to hear what you're saying. Um, we talk about tone of voice. Okay. So like making sure that you have a lower tone of voice than like an elevated one, because then that can be perceived as like 
being um, condescending or you're angry and that type of thing. So we talk about tone of voice. So I have my person pull the person aside and say, hey, you always start with a positive. Hey, you did this really good. But I noticed that after that last pitch, you kind of like hung your head and like sunk your shoulders a little bit. And you should just know that you're doing a great job and that you have the next pitch to fix whatever it was that didn't work on that last one, you know, and letting them know like that you believe in them and that you understand that they know what they need to do to get the job done. They just have to believe in themselves. So it's, it, we always start with a positive rather than we go into what we saw visibly. Um, and then in terms of getting them to understand their own body language, then that's where I step in. And I take that same approach. Hey, this is what you did good, but I noticed this on the last one um, when I was trying to give you instruction on, you know, something that we normally do, let's say calling the ball, for example, and stuff. And you kind of like laughed it off. Like that wasn't something that's important to me that comes off as like that you're not taking it seriously, that you're kind of like mocking the process. I'm here to help make you get better. So calling the ball is not something new to us in our sport. So just iron that out. So that way we can get back on track and be the best versions of ourselves. Absolutely love it. Love that. I, I really, I think that's actually a good, a good spot to pin it on today's episode. Randy, <laughs> this has been a fun conversation. Where is the best place for parents to follow along, learn more about what you're doing in terms of how you're training and developing these young softball players and just want to follow you to, to learn more about you? Uh, I have a Facebook business page called Wright Sports Performance. Uh, Wright is my maiden name, and that's what most of my athletes know me as. So that's W-R-I-G-H-T. Um, and then on my Instagram, which is Coaching Done Right. Um, so underscores, thanks to IG, since they won't let you use <laughs> spaces. Um, but um, that's basically where they can follow me. You can also book through my Instagram page for one-on-ones, um, either on the strength and conditioning side or on the sports specific side of things. Love it. Love it. And we've got Randy's links here in the show notes. All you got to do is click the details on the show and you'll have a direct link to both of those pages. Randy, thanks so much for taking time to join the show this week. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Raising Competitors podcast brought to you by Compete Every Day. To learn more about the show, listen to past episodes, or get connected with our team, visit RaisingCompetitors.com. We'll see you next episode.